What's up? It's episode 39, Pain Points of Wealth and Cryptos Getting Crushed. There's so much going on right now. We have a bona fide labor shortage, looks like, going into the end of the year. That great rotation, we talk about a week after week. We're seeing money come out of tech. We're seeing all those work-from-home stocks get destroyed, commodity prices going up. How do you make sense of any of this? Well, we're going to give you our playbook today. We're going to give you exactly how we see the next couple months playing out. And on the tipping point, we're going to talk about the right questions you need to be asking right now to make sure you're going to be on your path to financial independence. What are those questions you should be asking versus the questions you shouldn't be asking? Well, we're going to give you our playbook for that too. We got a great show for you. A lot to get in today. All right, let's hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. So Ryan, what do you mean? a surprise to somebody that cryptocurrencies are collapsing. We've only been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. And you have Elon Musk coming out telling people that he's long Bitcoin and Tesla's long Bitcoin. And then he comes out the other day and said, well, maybe we're not. So it wipes out that whole move. But when you have an investment strategy that's based on comments from some wacko CEO, you don't have a strategy. I think it's pretty clear you're speculating. I don't get it, guys. <laughs> I don't get it. So you're telling me something that you can't buy anything with you know, basically at that trades up and down every day like crazy. For some reason, it's not the new currency. I'm so confused. I thought that was definitely a home run. Well, you know what? I was texting with a buddy of mine the other day. He's also a client. And I was asking him if his friends were concerned about inflation. He said, yes. He's like, their philosophy is very similar about yours, you know, owning things like hard assets and also crypto. And I wrote back to him. I said, just to be clear, I don't think crypto is a hedge against inflation. Let's just put that in writing right now. You know what it's a hedge against? It's a hedge against being wealthy. You know, if you really want to lose a lot of money, you know, put your money in crypto. But, you know, I love that when Tesla came out and said, oh, you know, we're going to let you pay for a new Tesla with your cryptocurrency. But, you know, last I checked, you know, in Florida, New Jersey, New York, when you buy a car, you got two days, three days where you can rescind the sale. So all you do is you buy the car. If the cryptocurrency goes up dramatically, right, you cancel the sale. Because now you can buy it with a lot less crypto. If it goes down, then you, know, you go through with the deal. I mean, how would any company be able to operate with using that as their strategy? Well, this is like the perfect storm because your crypto is losing value and you can't even get a car if you wanted to. No, it's true. I mean, that's the other thing is right now, I mean, it's like impossible to get a new car. You have to just take what, they, what they'll give you at this point. And I think that's the other thing is there's just so many underlying things happening right now that nobody's talking about. And I think the big one, as we're recording this, like it was like a week ago, the CDC came out and said, if you're vaccinated right now, you don't have to wear a mask indoors or outdoors. Now, why that's crazy is because literally, I was in New York a week ago. It was cloudy. It was rainy. You know how the weather is in the beginning of May. It stinks. Everyone's wearing a mask. Everyone looks really dour and sad. And then literally within two days, sun shining, the CDC came out with its you know, big announcement. I can tell you, I was sitting in Central Park, just a sea of people, masks off, going crazy. And it happened within two days, guys. It's almost like, what pandemic? Pandemic? Were we in a pandemic? I can't remember the pandemic. Well, yeah, down here in Philly, 
I ride my bike everywhere and there's literally a traffic jam on the bike lane just because people are just outside in droves. It's almost like nothing happened. It's like somebody flipped a switch. I think what happened was everybody, all the snowbirds left Florida. Now, Florida has been open now for months. It's just been what you experienced last weekend has been going on for months. I think all the snowbirds came up and said, what are you, crazy? Take those masks off. But I'll tell you what. Since this podcast started, I've been wearing a mask, and now I take it off. I can't walk down the street now without people stopping me and telling me how great this podcast is. You know what, Bob? There's no truer words have been spoken. Our podcast rocks. But I think the big, big theme right now is essentially the biggest disruption that you're seeing is real life. And actually, I would actually equate this back to Bitcoin, because a lot of Bitcoin was about, hey, I'm sitting home. I can't go out right now. I'm sitting home. I can't go out right now. I just got the stimulus check. I can't gamble. I can't go to the casinos. This Bitcoin is a real fun place to make some money, but I think people are losing interest as they're starting to go back outside. I mean, I really think that's part of the phenomenon here is people are just not as interested in gambling. You know, it's not just the cryptocurrencies you're not speculating on any longer. How about Zoom? I mean, who needs Zoom now if you can actually go and meet with people? How about your Peloton? Right. I remember you saying a couple of weeks ago that what piece of exercise equipment has ever come out in anybody's lifetime that people didn't get tired of and stuck in the basement. I mean, you go down to my basement. I don't have a basement anymore. When I had a basement, you know, all we had was all that exercise equipment that we never used anymore. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you're getting to a point now where the biggest disruptor is real life. Now, the other part of that equation too is we're getting back to what I would call normalcy, but it's not normal, guys. It's normalcy on steroids because now we're like crazy. We're going nuts. Like we're going to be outside and we're just going to want to like do as many things as we can possibly do. There's so much pent up demand for stuff to do, and we got lots of cash. You know, we got that like two trillion dollars now. American households are sitting on that they're just going to spend and go wild. And this is all going to be this big confluence. We've been talking about this. It's upon us now, where everything's just going to keep running red hot. Not to mention, guys, with the fact that the supply chains have been disrupted. You know, we're seeing a major increase in wages. Consumer prices have surged the fastest pace since 1981. So inflation is definitely a real thing. Yeah, but I mean, it's a real thing. And here's the problem. You know, you have inflation because, you know, all the core products are going up. You talk to builders, you talk to people who are developers. They're very concerned because now, even though lumber's tripled, they can't get any. Insulation, all of a sudden, is something that no one can get their hands on. So there's projects being canceled. So initially, we'll have this huge surge, which we've been talking about, the construction industry. But that might actually slow down because they don't have the products. Meanwhile, we're going to start to see the hospitality industry explode. You know, Broadway's opening again up in Manhattan. You're seeing restaurants open. And Chris is right. You know, in order to get people to work, you're going to have to pay them more. You got to, you got to get them off the sidelines because you're getting all this free money from the government. You know, last night I was hanging out with my fiance's brother and he owns a woodworking business and he has just pallets of plywood. And he was telling me that the price is up threefold. I said, you know what? I said, forget the projects. I said, you should just flip plywood. I, you know, a lot of people are actually. And the other thing is, what's even more of a problem is not only the fact that you can't get all these supplies, is you can't find people to work. And I don't want to get political about this, but the fact that, to your point, Bob, people are sitting home getting paid more, which I would do too. If I can get paid more to sit at home and chill than work at a job, like why would I go to that job, is only putting more pressure on labor. And if labor costs continue to go up, as we know historically, it's not the commodity prices that get you. It's the fact that now you're paying more for your labor. And that's basically, Bob, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, you're a man of the 70s. In the 70s, that was the problem with stagflation is the fact that you had labor going up and up and up while costs were going up and up and up. And it was kind of a horse race between the two. And that's why you had that massive inflationary pressure, which we haven't seen in decades. Well, that's why you always had the airlines underperform. I always wondered 
about the CEOs of these major airlines that they went back to their business school reunions. And they said, well, did you ever study? Because, you know, you go back and you look at these airlines, they never made any money. But look at the two biggest components of an airline's expense. It's oil, energy, right? And that's going through the roof right now. And people, personnel, and wage growth is going to grow dramatically. So you're going to have a lot of industries that will benefit from this inflation spiral, but a lot that aren't. And that's why this rotation is so important to make sure that your portfolio is positioned properly for what's going on now. So wait, Dad, does that mean that you and I are going to get a raise? Do you think Ryan's going to increase our pay now because there's so much competition for wage inflation here? Yeah, you know Ryan's old strategy, Chris, working like a dog and pay you like a puppy. Hey, you're family guys. You're family guys. Come on. <laughs> I can't pay you well. But no, but that's the important thing. And look, we see this week after week, we probably look at about 50 portfolios a month. We probably are seeing more portfolios that Wall Street puts together than anybody else. And what we see is, is basically a lot of you have that portfolio the last 10 years, where even if you own the S&P 500, which you're thinking, I own 500 stocks, you kind of don't. It's the, you know, the top five account for over 20% of the index, and it's all tech. And as we've talked about week after week, that's not the place to be in an inflationary environment. You know, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme, as Mark Twain once said. And we know from history the place to be is going to be energy. It's going to be agriculture. It's going to be materials. It's going to be companies, like you said, Bob, that keep raising their prices on you as their costs go up. And you know, it's a theme that we talk about. It's just, but it's going to be those more plain vanilla, older school stocks, and they're already outperforming big this year. And this is a trend we talked about six months ago. Like we were on it. And the reality of it is it's a bigger trend. These are bigger forces that are happening. And that's why you get a reposition for the next 10 years. Well, I think that's the biggest problem I see out there, guys. Right now, you have a lot of speculation going on, a lot of over-concentration in the part of portfolios. You know, I'm starting to see more people because, you know, we're getting out and about and I'm meeting a lot of new people. And the first question they ask me is, number one, what do you think of crypto? And the second question is, why would I want to be asset allocated when the stock market goes up all the time? So I think that's the big issue is, you know, a lot of you right now aren't risk adverse any longer. And there's consequences and there is a reason to be diversified. So it's great to be long market, but it's not great to be 100% in stocks. Well, let's just sum it up one thing. The first question people ask Bob is not really, should they own crypto here? Is his hair real? Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 39, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you really like our content, don't be shy. Click on that like button. Go ahead and click on the subscribe notification button. And you can have pain points of wealth delivered to your inbox every single week. We can make it happen. Just give us your email address. All right, guys, the tipping point, we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, with the 50 or so financial reviews we do a month, our firm does probably more volume than like any firm on the street. We see every single strategy. And we found that you know often one of the biggest mistakes you make right now is not asking the right questions when it comes to your financial planning trying to get on that path to financial independence. So I think we talk about some of the questions you ask and maybe a way to reposition those questions so you're asking the right question. And the first one, guys, is how much money do I need to save in order to be financially independent? Is that the right question to be asking? I think a better question is, is how much income will I need and how much will my savings give me? So in other words, how much income from the investments that your portfolio generates each year is going to help you sustain your lifestyle? Yes, having an income plan versus like, oh, I think I need $2 million. Like, that's not the equation to be running right now. Well, that's always the answer you get. I mean, everyone who invests, everyone who saves money, their number one goal is to make money, right? Now, that sounds good, right? So, you know, why do you invest? Well, I want to make money. Well, making money is not a goal. 
you know, what you have to do is you have to ascertain why do you need to make money? Well, I don't know. It's a goal. Well, how about not working for the rest of your life? How about having a lifetime of income you can't outlive? How about educating your children and grandchildren? How about endowing a, a chair at your university? So there's lots of goals that you have to have and you have to ascertain what they are first before you know how much money you need in order to achieve that financial independence that you talk about, right? Okay. I'll tell you what, guys. You know, One of the things that I love doing when I go through reviews with my clients or even going through a review with a new client is showing them that with combination of their social security, sometimes their pension, and that the income that they generate their portfolio, that they'll never have to touch the principal value ever in their life. Well, they obviously don't live in my house. Bob, yeah, I think your financial plan uh, needs to be rerun. But I think the important thing here, guys, is this is the key. And this is like, it's a simple concept, but it's about literally having the freedom to live life the way you want to live it. And you need money to fund that, right? I mean, there's the difference between being rich and being wealthy. To me, being rich is like, I'm making a lot of money. I'm spending on a lot of fancy things that I don't really need. And I'm always trying to keep up with the Joneses. When you're in that situation, you're not really living life on your terms. But when you can like determine what your lifestyle costs, how to fund that lifestyle, and then build your plan around that, where money gives you the ability to have freedom. Statistically, when it comes to happiness, that's one of the highest reasons people are happy is because they have financial independence or they have the freedom to live life on their terms. And that's what we have to start thinking about money. Well, that's why we simplified it into what we call the A to B approach, right? It's simply understand what your point B is, you know, know what enough is, know what your goals are. And because the way it traditionally works is they sell you investment products and these products are going to get you the returns you need. They're going to make you money. And that's how Wall Street works. Well, the way it really works, if you want to be happy, you want to make the, achieve these goals that Ryan speaks of, you've got to have the goals in mind. You have to have the end in mind first and work backwards. When you work backwards, it's real simple to know what to own, and then you'll know why you own it, and that'll give you staying power to take advantage of the big boom and bull market we're in right now. Yeah, exactly right. And that's why we always look at income because, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're looking at your investment portfolio, building your investment portfolio, this is why crypto kind of sucks, if I can say that, is because- when you start looking at your assets, like what kind of cash flow can those assets produce that you can compound? Like no one looks at that. It's a simple concept, but most of us are looking at, oh, is the market going up this year? Am I getting growth? As you and I know, growth is only part of the equation. The bigger part of the equation is cash flowing your investments and compounding that money. Compounding is that powerful, powerful component that doesn't get talked about enough. Another question that we get a lot is, should I get long-term care or just roll the dice? So a better question I think would be, what are all my options for covering long-term care expenses? You know, there's not just one answer. There's just, just one solution to this complicated question. Well, that's why I love the insurance companies. You know, early on in my career, almost every company that came out with long-term care insurance ended up abandoning the business. <laughs> they stuck these people with these worthless policies. And now a lot, a lot of my clients have long-term care policies as they're starting to get into their 80s, the insurance companies are ratcheting up the premium like you can't believe. So it's just incredible how whenever you have an insurance policy, it tends to benefit the insurance company. Good rule of thumb here. The insurance company always wins. I repeat, the insurance company always wins. And you can extrapolate this out to any insurance product. Because like, how many times you know, we deal with a lot of people that are millennials, Generation X as well, and you're at a point in your life where you have a family, you have a mortgage, maybe two mortgages, and you got to fund education. You have all these expenses that, God forbid, something happens to you, still have to get funded. And what does the insurance company love to do? They love to sell you a whole life policy where you have very little insurance, but they're asking to put these big premiums in. Whereas you could just get a huge term policy that's really cheap, that, God forbid, something happens to you, would cover all your costs now. Whereas these whole life policies, they become big insurance policies later when you don't need the insurance. It's like completely backwards. It blows my mind. 
truly is right. So I think the worst investment, I mean, let's talk about insurance. Insurance is a necessary evil. And if you're a young parent and you have young children, you definitely want to have some way to cover you know, the uh, expenses in the event of a premature death. But when you look at investments, when they're wrapped in insurance, I love it when the insurance people tell me, hey, Bob, it's kind of like your idea is only we wrap it in a thin veneer of insurance, which sounds very expensive to me. And it's just a bad way to invest. So yeah, use insurance for what it's intended for, but not as an investment product that's always a loser. Another question that we get a lot is, how can I get the highest possible return on my money? Well, you know, it's not really about the return on my money. It's more about the return of my money. So really the question is, how do I make sure my money gets returned to me? Wait a minute, Chris. I think there's an easy answer to how to get the highest return on my money. Just put it in crypto. Duh. No, it's a great point. And I actually did a talk for a business organization I'm in on Zoom, of course. I hate Zoom. The other week. And, you know, I was talking to a lot of these young guys. They're making money and they're asking me about crypto and where they put their money. And I explained to them, guys, it's not about getting all the upside. You know, the upside's great, but the ones that make the most money over time, who's who doesn't lose as much on the downside? Because when those bear markets come and the market sells off, whoever's protected the most ends up getting the best return over time. It's more about protecting on the downside, not getting all the upside. Well, that's the thing. That's why you have to have a diversified portfolio of equities. And there's never been a market, you know, a stock like the US stock market that's gone to zero, but individual companies can go to zero, just like good old Mother Merrill, where I used to work and you used to work, right? They basically went bankrupt. So you don't want to speculate on crypto. You don't want to speculate on individual stocks. You want to have a diversified portfolio. But the big risk right now, and this is the biggest risk everyone has in their portfolio right now is inflation because inflation's going up, interest rates are going up. And if you own a bond fund, you're going to suffer. Yeah. I mean, forget it. But I mean, bond funds, if you're in cash, well, the one thing we always talk about is if you're in cash, you lose 50% of your money every 20 years. Cost of living is going up by double every 20 years. So you're guaranteed to lose half your money just sitting in cash. And we had low inflation in the last decade. It hasn't been as big a deal. Now it's a really big deal. So if you weren't proactive about your money before, you better get proactive about your money now because everything's changing. The whole dynamics of the economy, the markets, they're all changing. You've got to keep up with the times. Yeah, but Chris, I can't get to my goals with a one basis point return in a money market fund. I need to have bonds in my portfolio. And it's important to have bonds that have a you know surety, have a fixed rate of return and a fixed maturity date because rates go up. Don't you make more money? That's true, Dad. And you know, the other thing is, is when you own individual bonds, they also have a set date of maturity. So you're getting, not only are you getting return on your money that's above and beyond what you get sitting in cash, but you also get your money back. Well, here's the biggest problem I see, guys. You know, when individual investors and they work with firms, that sell bond funds, and there's lots of them, they take the safest part of their portfolio and they turn it into stock market-like risk. So when you look at a bond fund today, one that has a longer maturity, people are down 14, 15%, and here we are, it's only May. Now, I don't know about you, but losing 15% in a safe investment in five months, not what I signed up for. Chris calls that a buzzkill. So again, just to wrap it up here, Things are changing. You've got to ask the right questions. And right now, more than ever, if you want to be financially independent, you've got to start being proactive, start making proactive decisions about your portfolio, reverse engineering, starting to figure out what your goals are, then going back to the drawing board and building that perfect portfolio that's going to get you to those goals. Hey, what's up? Bob, Chris, and I now have spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, you can apply to your financial journey, whatever stage that you're on. But if you have over $500,000, 
save for retirement, and you want a more hands-on approach, you can apply for a free financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We put together a full audit of all the investments you own, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, a complete savings and income plan to make sure you're on your path to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, what's up? Hope you're enjoying episode 39, Pain Points of Wealth. Again, if you think I'm smarter than Bob and Chris, obviously, don't be shy. Click on that like button, click the subscribe, click the notifications so you can get this every single week. If you're watching it on YouTube, or you can subscribe to our channel, have this sent to your inbox every single week. Check it out, Pain Points of Wealth, and don't be shy. Forward it to a friend if they think they could use all our ingenious financial advice. All right, Bob and Chris, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. So Bob, small businesses were actually hit hardest by the pandemic and are actually responsible for half of all US employment. So small businesses like ours employ half of Americans. That's kind of crazy. Of course, this is what explains why we had the unemployment number go through the roof back in February, March a year ago, because all these small businesses couldn't stay open, right? You had the pandemic. It's no fault of their own. They lost everything. And it was the saddest part of the pandemic besides losing your life, of course. But here's the greatest thing about the U.S. economy. You know, our world works on one premise, find a need and fill it. And there's going to be enormous needs. And all these companies that are gone are going to be replaced by new companies because we are the greatest country in the world, best entrepreneurs, and they're going to find those needs. They're going to fill it. Unemployment's going to drop like a stone. Bob, I'm feeling more patriotic now. And I agree with you. I hear labor shortage by the end of the year. Chris, in 2020, the number of people 65 and older in the US outnumbered children under the age of five for the first time in history. Furthermore, a 10-year-old child today has a 50% chance to live to 104. Wow. Well, you know, the statistic used to be that if you were a male, you only had about a 50-50 shot of making it to 80. So this just goes to show you that people are living longer, which means that when it comes to financial planning, we got to plan out for that money to last a lot longer than we had anticipated before. Well, also from a demographic perspective, this is why you want to have a global portfolio because the U.S. is a mature aging population. All the younger populations in the, are outside of the U.S. And that's why with our clients and you should have a global portfolio. Just saying. Bob, according to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, the U.S. government has appropriated $4.1 trillion in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. To put this in perspective, the total cost of the financial bailout stemming from the financial crisis was a mere $498 billion. Man, that just looks like peanuts compared to what we just spent over the course of last year. Well, it is peanuts, Ryan. It's uh, eight times what it took to bail out the financial system. And look how well the financial system came back, the economy, the stock market. No wonder we're in a big, booming secular bull market. He just had a gigantic bazooka fired at the economy of $4.1 trillion. Guess where that's finding its way? Right into your portfolio. I wonder where Chris is going to spend that money. That's all I want to know. Chris, wholesale used vehicle prices jumped 54% year over year in April as U.S. car dealerships have only 1.95 million in inventory, well below the historical average of 2.3 million. Can you say supply chain crunch? Well, you know what? I talked to a client of mine yesterday, and he was uh, earlier this week, he was at the Caddy dealership buying himself a new Cadillac. He wanted a red one, but all they had was a pale blue color. And he said, I'll just go somewhere else. They said, too bad. You can't go anywhere else. This is all you got. Chris, I think the most important part of this stat is the fact that you have a client that's still buying caddies. I respect that. 
They had that guy call me. I'll sell him the Tesla I bought with the crypto. Now the crypto's down. I'll sell my Tesla and get all the crypto back. Another great Bob Payne investment strategy. I'm just confused now. All right, gentlemen, another great show. And I use that term very loosely. I hope you enjoy our podcast. Please don't be shy. Subscribe, click on that like button. And that's it for this week. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,